Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by David Baker. Because this morning, it's really exciting. I'm really uh, excited to listen uh, as one of our local Scarboreans. That's what you are, isn't it? Hallelujah. Well, we're all Scarboreans because we're all adopted now. But uh, comes to bring and share the word under a powerful anointing uh, in the light of his having just returned from India. I'm sure that's going to come into it. But uh, let's welcome David Baker to come and preach to us this morning. Hello, everyone. Hello. 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 <laughs> so um, I just want to talk about monkeys because I think it's relevant, although it sounds <laughs> that it's not. Now, when you go to India, India is one of the most alien places you could go to. So if you imagine going to another planet, that's what India's like. Everybody thinks differently. Everybody sounds differently. The whole mindset is completely alien to what we're used to. And this is an example of that. Um, a few weeks ago, a monkey went for a walk down the main road and died. And so the locals put it on a, the side of the road and left it there. And a few days later, a few people brought some flowers and put it on the dead monkey. And then a few days later, some people brought some food and put it next to the dead monkey. And then a few days later, some people put some money there. Because monkeys are quite important in Hinduism, because there's a monkey god. So after quite a bit of money had been given, the man that lived nearby thought, Oh, I can use this money. I'll build a little temple, a little, a little shrine, and we'll bury the monkey and put it underneath. And now that little shrine, which is only about that big, it gets so much money given every day. People bring flowers, food, money, and they're feeding people with that money. It's just completely bonkers, I know. But that is the way people are. They will worship anything. You drop a rock on the floor and somebody will worship it. You plant a rose in a garden and somebody will worship it. Their whole mentality is about worship. If I can't worship this, then I'll need to find something else to worship. Um, So when you're up against mindsets that are so foreign, so alien to what you're used to, how do you get across the gospel? Well... I'm going to give you another example. Now, if you think Hinduism is at least four to 5,000 years old, that mindset isn't something new. It's not something you can just jump in with a nice little Bible verse and everything will suddenly be tipped upside down and they'll think, oh, yeah, let's follow Jesus. Islam is one and a half thousand years old. And people have been brought up in those religions, in those thinking, mindsets for centuries after centuries. So it's not something that, it's just something new to them. How can you impact people like that? Well, we have a driver that we use, um, and he was a Hindu, and he drove us everywhere in a Jeep, and he wore a red cord around his wrist, which a lot of Hindus do. They often wear it with a stone in or different things. And one day I was talking to him and I said, well, what's that for? Why do you wear that? And he said, well, 
My mum gave me it. And if I wear it, she thinks that I'll be fine. Nothing will touch me. All the evil will keep, me, keep away from me. I'll be protected. So I said, well, does it work? And he said, well, not really. It's just a superstition. So I said, well, so if we're driving in the Jeep and we crash, then you're going to be fine and we're all going to die then. Is that what you're saying? And I made a bit of a joke of it. And he said, no, not really. So then I told him about my mum and her superstitions that you can't put shoes on the table, you can't put an umbrella up in the house, you can't stand on the cracks in the pavement, you can't let a black cat cross your path. All these superstitions we have when we're little. And I said, we've all got superstitions, but do they mean anything? Are they, are they important in your life? And he started to think. And then I said, well, we could get a really big red cord and tie it around the Jeep and then we'll all be fine. <laughs> and um, he sort of thought, he could tell he was really thinking about it. And I said, well, the thing is with superstitions are, they just make you live in fear. But God, he wants you to be filled with joy and peace and love. He doesn't want you to live in fear. He wants you to live in peace. And that evening he became a Christian. So... <laughs> I think we often think we need to study these things and pray into these things and really understand the mindsets, but often we just need to bring ourselves and be real with people and just say, this is what I believe, this is what you believe. Are you really trusting in it or is it just something you've picked up along the way? Um, so to come to the Bible, I was praying and I actually got a word from Claire many many months ago and I'm going to base it on that um, now obviously we know we don't battle against people we don't battle against um, physically against people we battle against mindsets we battle against the thoughts and the ideologies of these religions these people a lot of the time they can be aggressive they can be violent they can be destructive and sometimes they want to wipe Christianity off the face of the earth. But that is the theology of it, the ideology of it, not the actual individual people. So when I'm talking, I'm not talking about people, just so you know. So if we turn to 1 Samuel 17, and verses 32 to 35, I think it is. Yeah, to 32 to 35. And this is a, a time when David, who knew God, faced a foe that he couldn't understand. It looked as if he couldn't possibly defeat him, and yet he did. So I'm just going to read those verses. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine, which was Goliath. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it. And delivered the lamb from its mouth. 
And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of those, seeing that he had defied the enemies of the living God. Moreover, God, uh, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine, Goliath. So, how could David fight such a, a giant? How could David come against an ideology, a philosophy that was so against God, that hated God so much, that mocked God? How? Because he knew God. He knew who he was in God. He knew what he needed, and he knew how to do it. He drew on his own experience. He'd heard about Goliath, and he wasn't afraid. When we hear about these Muslims killing Christians, Hindus killing Christians, we don't need to be afraid. They're people. They've been deceived by the enemy, and that is the, the enemy is what we're talking about, not the people. We don't need to be afraid. Why? Because we need, if we know who we are in God, we don't need to fear. We don't need to have a little red cord around our wrist to be protected. We trust in God. Now, whatever God plans for us, that is what's going to happen. He knew how to fight. He knew how to protect himself. He knew not to be intimidated. And he knew who he was in God. But how did he know? He'd come against superstition, possibly. He'd come against intimidation. He'd come against manipulative people. And he'd had experience in the past. He'd fought the lion and the bear. And that's what we're going to look at. If we often symbolize and look at the symbolism of Goliath, Let's this time look at the symbolism of the lion and the bear. What do they represent? What do we need to face and defeat so we can face and defeat the giants in our lives? So we're going to look at four animals that David would possibly have fought against to protect the sheep. The first one is the fox. The second one is the wolf. The third one is the bear, and the fourth one is the lion. Now these are just what I've prayed into and what God's spoken to me about, but God's going to speak to you as well and show you what they might mean as well, so you need to do that too. So the first one, I'm going to look at the fox. So I'm going to look at it. What, what does it symbolize physically? What spiritually could it mean? Prophetically, and I'm going to look at the Greek and the Hebrew as well. So the fox, now foxes are quite small, they often run together in groups, they scavenge and they burrow. So if you think of something that wants to scavenge off you and burrow into you. Now in Song of Songs, chapter 2 verse 15, there's a very famous verse and it says, catch for me the little foxes that ruin the vineyard. Now, the vineyard is our relationships. It's our relationships with people, and it's our relationship with God. And the foxes were allowed to run riot and destroy the fruitfulness 
of that relationship. And God warned not to let the foxes run around, catch them and get rid of them. So a fox, when we think of a fox, we think of something that's sly, something that's crafty, something that's cunning. So what could it be that comes into us that is sly, crafty and cunning, that breaks up our relationships, that wants to destroy them? The Hebrew for fox also means to burrow, to hollow out, and it means a handful. So to me, little foxes are the little things that come into our relationship with God and with each other. They burrow into our relationships and they try to ruin it. They creep in, they make holes. What could they be? There are the little niggles, the little arguing, the backbiting that we do with each other and we do with God. The things that we don't necessarily trust enough about. The things that we've got snipes and selfish opinions about. The things that we don't do that we should do. The things that we do do that we shouldn't do. And when you think of foxes, they're often nipping and scratching and biting. And that's what they do. They come in. It's not big things, it's not even necessarily sins. It's little things that get in the way and ruin. And often you can think, I'm feeling really down today, what's wrong? Nothing in particular, it's just a lot of small things. And often the small things can become a big thing. The other thing foxes do, if they live in a town, is they're attracted to rubbish. They're attracted to the garbage bins. In our lives... If we don't sort things out, if we don't tidy things up, the little foxes will be attracted to it. So firstly, David knew how to get rid of the foxes. Secondly, is the wolf. Now wolves are much bigger, much more scarier. They run in packs like the foxes. They prey on fear. They pick off the weak. And they often come at night as well. Now, in Russian ideology, there's something called the hour of the wolf. And that is when you're in bed in the middle of the night, you wake up at three in the morning, and every doubt, every fear, every worry, every dread comes into your mind. And you think, oh my goodness, everything's terrible, I can't cope with anything. What's going to happen with this situation and that situation? And you're filled with such dread. And for that time, it's real. Because it's deception. It's not your own thoughts. It's the enemy coming in, trying to deceive you. Now, the Hebrew word for wolf is quite interesting. Because it's also relating to the colour yellow. Now, to me, yellow means cowardice. And the wolf, the thoughts, the cowardly thoughts that come in when you're feeling weak, when you're feeling run down, when you're in the middle of the night half asleep, and they all come flooding in, and you think, I can't cope with that, I can't do that. But David knew he could do it because he had God with him. 
So the wolf represents separating us from each other, separating us from God. It singles us out, it takes us out, comes at night when it's dark, when you're on your own, and it smells out any weaknesses you might have. If you've got a wound, if you need healing in a certain area, the wolf will smell it and it'll come looking for it. That's why we need to go to God first, not let things fester. Because if we don't, the wolf will smell it and it'll come looking for us. And we need to learn not to listen to the enemy's deceitful words. It will instill fear in us. It will instill despair in us, anxiety and regret. And it will come when we're the lowest. It won't wait when we're strong. It will pick us out when we're weak. And we need to learn to recognize these thoughts and fears and say, no, this is what God says about me. So thirdly is the bear. Now what could you think about the bear? It's quite a nice animal really when you think about it. Teddy bears, Pooh bear, Paddington bear. Quite sweet really. How can they be a danger? Well, they're solitary creatures. They can be aggressive. They can be ferocious. They can be destructive. And they're often seen in literature as angry, cross, grumpy creatures. They've just woken up from hibernation and they're a bit angry and they're a bit grumpy. Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, the word for bear means to creep. It means to cause to speak and to obstruct ferociously. How can I cause to speak and cause destructiveness? Well, as we go on, you'll see. What do bears do and what do bears want most of all? Food, honey, something sweet, a picnic, anything they can get their hands on. And to me, the bear is looking for the honey in your life. He's looking for the sweetness, the joy, the peace, the good things in your life that God's given you. It's attracted to the honey in your life. And it'll come in and it'll steal it. Or it'll come in and it'll say, this isn't what God says. It'll grumble, it'll complain. It'll be dissatisfied and it'll try and devour the sweetness of your life. That can be other people even coming in. And that's not to say that we are coming against those people, but it's the thoughts that come into those people. The thoughts that come into our own lives. They steal our joy, they steal our peace, they steal our sweetness, they steal our blessings and they make us feel empty. So, the bare causes to speak but it speaks negativity it speaks things that cause us to lose our honey so that's the bear and David chose to believe God not the bear he defeated the bear and the last one is the lion and the lion is a difficult one actually Because 
Jesus is the Lion of Judah. So what's wrong with that? The Lion is majestic. The Lion is proud, bold, strong. They've got a voice. They roar and people listen. But they can be intimidating too. And they can be arrogant too. The Hebrew for a lion means to be brave, mighty and heroic. So how can that be an enemy? The Hebrew for lion also means to gather people together, to pluck people and to be violent. Now, often we can be lions and we're all called to be lions. But we need to be careful that we're not gathering people to ourselves. We're not plucking people to ourselves, but to God. We're not gathering people because of our own self-worth and our own self-goals and achievements, things like that. But we're pulling people to God, to, to us because they're attracted to God, not what we've done. Um... So lions can be full of ambition. They can be proud, prideful. They gather people to themselves. And they're full of splendor. And they're full of sweetness. Because they've got God in them. They're not necessarily bad. But what they're doing is wrong. Now in Judges, there's a little... Proverb, Judges 14, 14. And it's the part when um, um, Samson was with Delilah, I think it was. And he gave a riddle out. And he said, out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. And the riddle was to guess what he'd seen. And he'd seen a lion. And in the lion was honey. So it's good to be a lion, it's good to be full of honey. Um, the only problem is, the lion was dead. And we need to be lions, yes, but we need to be so careful not to get proud. We're supposed to be lions, we're supposed to have the strength of God in us, but not the strength of ourselves in us. So make sure... You're a lion, definitely. Make sure you're full of honey, but make sure you're dead. Dead in Christ. So, as we go back, we look at David's life. He's fought the lion and the bear, the fox and the wolf, and now he's ready for the giant. He's fought all the niggles and the backbiting, and he's learned how to deal with it, because he trusts in God. He's learned not to listen to the negative the fearful thoughts, the thoughts that want to cripple him, he's listened to God. He knows God. He walks with God. He's learned not to listen to the complaints, those that want to steal honey from him. The moaning, the niggling, the backbiting, the grumblers. And he's learned to be a lion, but to be humble. And he defeats Goliath. And he has no doubts about it. He just does it. And we need to, as we fight these giants of ideology, which are in our own society, not just in India, and these continue to advance, to learn that we've got nothing to fear. 
we just need to trust God, be in God, believe in who he says we are, and just rely on our experiences, rely on what God's taught us throughout the years, and we will have victory. We will have victory over everyone that speaks against God. They will come to God. And as the guy in India did, it was that one thing that held him back. And it was the tiniest little cord, the tiniest superstition. And once he recognized it as a lie, he gave his life to Jesus. Um, So yeah, that's all I wanted to share. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.